Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. I'm going to try and get through a lot of stuff today. Uh, We have the NFL, of course. We're about halfway through the season. We have the MLB Awards that were just announced, all the finalists. They've announced uh, a couple things already, like the gold gloves. So I'll go over who won gold gloves and then the finalists for the MVP for the American League, National League, Rookie of the Year, uh, Cy Young, and Manager of the Year. And then also the NBA. There's some. There's one thing I want to talk about, so that'll be very, very brief. But the Suns are off to an exceptional start, and I will push for my case for Devin Booker to be an all-star because <laughs> I always clown my friends about him being an all-star uh, eventually, and they say, no, he's a, whatever, he's a, a scorer who puts up hollow stats, much like Kevin Love did in Minnesota, blah, 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 blah. I'll get into all of that. And then uh, last night, college basketball opened up. So, And also, before we start, the Washington Nationals are World Series champions. Who would have thunk wild, wild, wild series? No home team won a single. I, like This is a little bit old news. I'm going to keep it very brief. I'm sure everyone already knows the coverage of it, but not a single home team won. Imagine being a fan. Every fan of the home team that went to go see their team play left the stadium disappointed. A, a very odd and unique series. Um, I'm glad the Nationals were able to pull it out. A.J. Hinch made some pretty bad managerial moves in Game 7. Granke allowed one hit on like 85 pitches, took him out. Well, he allowed a couple hits. He was dominating 80-something pitches, lets up the home run, and it's two to one, in a 2-1 to one ball game. They, he probably could have let them in. Instead, he takes him out, but Garrett Cole's got to go into the ball game. Everyone knows that. Garrett Cole's got to go into the ball game, and that would probably be a wrap for it, but instead he goes to his bullpen, his bullpen gets rocked, and the Nationals end up winning comfortably. You never see Strasburg wins... Finals MVP, rightfully so. He was an absolute monster the entire postseason. So to cap it off with a Finals MVP, not Finals MVP, World Series MVP, makes all the sense in the world. So congratulations to the Washington Nationals. First title in franchise history. Very, very happy that the Astros lost. Um, I didn't like all the, the shit they were talking. Very annoying. The Nationals were very quiet, but... Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa was really the one that was talking all the shit and was very, very, very annoying. I hated it so much because he sucked in the playoffs. He wasn't doing very well. He had a couple of big hits, but that was it. His average was not very great. Um, aside from a couple doubles and the walk-off home run against the Yankees, that, that wasn't even the ALCS. He didn't really do much in the, in the World Series either. Whatever. I'm glad the Astros lost. Anyway, moving on. The Thursday night game, the Niners almost suffered their first loss of the year. The final score would indicate that it was a lot closer than I feel like it actually was. The Niners were pretty much in control the entire time, but the Cardinals did make a late push. Uh, but San Francisco ended up winning 28-25. to Jimmy G had a career day, threw for four touchdowns, so he looked uh, especially good. Probably the best game he's had throwing the ball this year. Uh, the London game, the Texans completely shut down the Jaguars' offense. They won 26-3. to They uh, go in, the Texans, that is, go into the bye at 6-3. and Bills dominated the Redskins 24-9, nothing new there. Uh, the Chiefs defeated the Vikings on a game-winning field goal by Butker uh, as Matt Moore, believe it or not, led a 
game-winning drive down the field against the Vikings defense to win it. So the Chiefs escape losing their fourth home game of the year. They improved to 6-3, and and Minnesota is also now 6-3. and The big shocker, probably the Dolphins and Jets, is the Dolphins and Jets. Uh, I, I want to actually skip over that real quick and get to the rest of the games because that's probably the one. That and the Monday night game I'll talk about the most, which is, you know, not ironically the Jets and Giants. Uh, the Eagles beat the Bears. The Bears are absolutely awful. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know Bears fans are probably on a short leash with him. He just doesn't look good at all. He he needs something needs to change. I I think. Matt Nagy is still riding that that wave um, from last year, and people are kind of giving him a really long leash. But how long before you really start tightening things up? Because clearly Nagy isn't doing anything right right now. Uh, the Bears are a complete mess. They fall to three and five, and the Eagles finally get over five hundred. They are now five and four. The Steelers defeated the Colts 26-24, to and the Steelers are now somehow at 4-4. Four and four. Uh, Indianapolis drops to 5-3. and three. Jacoby Brissett actually left the game with an ankle injury. Uh, he did not return. I believe it was in the, the second quarter. But Brian Hoyer stepped in, uh, did pretty well, threw for three touchdowns, uh, one interception. He, he also led the Colts down the field um, against the Steelers in the final minutes of the game, and was able to get a 40-yard field goal from Adam Venateri. Well, an attempt a 40-yard field goal for Adam Venateri. And Venateri this year, uh, it might be his last. Because he is, what, 44? He's so old. And he used to be lights out. And so no one questioned it, right? He was a guy who, yeah, he's 46. There you go. And he used to be lights out. Uh, his age didn't matter. He would kick it through the uprights almost every single time. right? He would miss occasionally, but for the most part, he was money. And to be specific, it was a 43-yard field goal with 114 left in the fourth quarter to put Indy up by one. And the, uh, the Steelers had no timeouts left either, so they would have got the ball with about a minute 10 left and no timeouts. You like your chances in that situation, but Venetary, on a 43-yard attempt that would most likely be money, even last year, now he completely shanked this kick. Like, not even close. It. I don't even know if it had the distance. He just completely missed it to the left, and it's, it's heartbreaking to see because he is a no-doubt Hall of Fame kicker and one of the best we've ever seen, but... He, uh, he just can't seem to get it done this year. That's the second missed field goal that probably would have got the Colts a win that he missed this year. The Panthers beat the Titans 30-20. to Panthers are now 5-3, and and Tennessee falls below 500. They're now 4-5. and The Raiders beat the Lions in a last drive touchdown by Derek Carr to Hunter Renfro. They win 31-24. to Seahawks beat the Bucks in OT. Jameis Winston actually had a very, very good game. Uh, the Seahawks, unfortunately for the Buccaneers, won the coin flip in overtime. 
and got the ball first, and Russell Wilson didn't mess around. He went, drove down the field and scored a touchdown. They went 40-34. to The Browns continue to struggle. They lose 24-19 to the Denver Broncos. Uh, they fall 2-6. Denver is now 3-6, but I, I think it's too late to write that ship. I don't know. What's going on? Uh, I I think it's pretty likely that Freddie Kitchens is one and done. And I think Adam Gase will join him in that department as well. Uh, but the, the Browns inexplicably losing to the Broncos. Odell Beckham Jr. seen on the sideline uh, saying, I can't get the ball to save my life. When it was a fourth down and uh, the Browns had to convert to try and stay alive. And Baker didn't even look his way. And clearly he's frustrated. You know, Odell leaves. The Giants, he gets traded from Eli Manning, who was declining, and he finally leaves, so he's like, all right, I'm going to a team with a young quarterback, a good quarterback, a gunslinger, a guy who's going to get me the football, and he just hasn't been getting him the football. Odell's on pace for his least yards receiving for his entire career. Not what you want to see if you're the Browns fans or uh, the front office. Uh, Another shocking loss, the Packers. The Packers lose to the Chargers 26-11, to and the Chargers' defense, uh, Melvin Ingram returned for the Chargers uh, on defense, and Joey Bosa had himself a day. Uh, they were hounding Aaron Rodgers the entire time. Rodgers, 23-35 for just 161 yards. Rivers threw for just short of 300 on 21 of 28 passing. Melvin Gordon finally had 100 yards from scrimmage. Uh, including 20 carries for 80 yards on the ground and two rushing touchdowns. A ballsy move by Anthony Lynn where the Chargers were on the goal line. Uh, They were maybe one, I think, on the one or two yard line. And they ran the ball three times with Austin Eckler for some reason. Melvin Gordon wasn't in the game. But they ran the ball three times with Austin Eckler. And Tony Romo was calling for them to just kick the field goal, get the three points, and you make it a three-score game. But instead, Anthony Lynn, who the week prior, I believe it was, let me see, it might have been two weeks ago. Yeah, two, okay, so it was two weeks ago it happened against the, uh, the Titans, where they were on the one-yard line, and they couldn't score to get a touchdown uh, to win, and they ended up losing the game. They fumb- Obviously, Melvin Gordon fumbled the ball on the goal line, and they lost that heartbreaker to the Titans. And Anthony Lynn said, if you're on the one-yard line and you can't score, then you don't deserve to win. So now being on the one-yard line, instead of kicking the field goal and making a three-score game, Anthony Lynn said, screw that, put Melvin Gordon back in, which they could have probably avoided a lot of their problems if they just put Melvin Gordon in on second or third down instead of Austin Eckler. I'm not sure why Eckler was in for three straight goal line running plays because he's not a very good runner. He He's mostly used as a guy who uh, he can line up wide as a wide receiver and or he uh, he goes out from the backfield and catches footballs. There's there's no he doesn't really run the ball that much. Melvin Gordon is their running back. So they finally put Mel- Melvin Gordon back in, and of course they punch it in for uh, Gordon's second rushing touchdown of the day. But he had a nice day. Uh, finally, so this comes uh, a game after the Chargers fired Ken Wisenhut. As their offense coordinator, he clearly wasn't getting it done. And now, uh, the first game where they have a new guy at the helm. I'm not really sure who it is, to be honest. Uh, But they have a new offense coordinator in, at least an interim one currently. But they win 
26 to 11 against the Green Bay Packers. Their defense played great. They're now four and five. So the Chargers are going to try and make a late push for that wild card spot. And the Packers are now seven and two. The Sunday night game, what a showing this was from Lamar Jackson. Uh, the, the Patriots just had no answers. And the Patriots scored 20 points. So, you know, 37 to 20, not a crazy blowout. But the only reason why the Patriots had 20 points, they got a free touchdown. The, the Ravens, after stopping the Patriots, they muffed a punt. And the Patriots recovered on like the 25 or 30-yard line. And Tom Brady, obviously, getting the ball to start at the 30-yard line, waltzed into the end zone, pretty much. So, that was a free touchdown. But other than that, the Ravens dominated. I mean, really dominated. Lamar Jackson was great. He had a couple rushing touchdowns. He had a throwing touchdown. Mark Ingram had over 100 yards rushing. They dominated. They really, really dominated. Now, this was at home in Baltimore. You beat the Patriots, okay? That's their first That's their first loss of the year. That's something to be very proud of. But at the same time, if you're going to try and get past them in the playoffs, it's going to be different because you're going to have to go to New England. That's tough. Playoffs in New England. The pa- Bill- Belichick's already seen you once. You know he's going to scheme something up to try and negate exactly what Jackson was doing. And granted, it is going to be tough for him, even for him. Because Lamar Jackson is a, a freak. But I'm sure Belichick will uh, will think of something. And uh, the final two games we'll talk about now. The Cowboys and Giants. And then the Dolphins and Jets. Giants had... They were in it for a, a long time. It was a, a one or two point game for uh, a while. At halftime, that the Cowboys were only up one. And by going into the fourth, it was still... They were only up one. And then the Cowboys scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And the Giants only scored three points. Um, there was... The fourth quarter wasn't great. Uh, there were two t- thrown, touchdown throws. Uh, one to Jarwin, who just he caught it out in the flat and just ran up the sideline for like 30 yards into the end zone. And then, of course, there was a, a third and like 15 play where uh, Cooper just ran a crossing route middle of the field. Dak got him the ball, and someone blew an assignment coverage. The Giants were in some type of zone. And someone missed their coverage assignment because Cooper, there was absolutely nobody in the middle of the field. And Cooper caught it with not a soul around him and ran right into the end zone. And then, of course, uh, as the Giants were just driving to try and score and get something salvageable, uh, Daniel Jones was stripped from behind. And the Cowboys, the Giants somehow didn't land on it, first of all. And then the Cowboys scooped it up and ran in for a touchdown. And this is why you don't gamble, kids, because... Two of my friends bet on this game. One bet the under, and one bet the over. And if the Giants just didn't score that last drive, the under would have hit. But instead, the Cowboys stripped them, stripped Daniel Jones, and ran it back for a touchdown, so the over hit. And that's why you don't gamble. It's a bitch. (laughs) They were both uh, talking about it, and it's just... Well, he was one of my friends was like, "Wow, if that touchdown stands, then the over just hit," and then the other one goes, "I had the under," and it's just like that silence where you're like, "God damn, that sucks. That sucks. That's when you think like shit just is rigged. Shit's so rigged." Uh, but the Giants, up until they completely imploded defensively in that fourth quarter, 
were fighting their hearts out. I was very impressed with how they were playing. Uh, again, it, if the fourth quarter's taken out of it, that's a really good football game. Uh, I never expected them to win. I only wanted them to fight it out, and that's exactly what they did. Someone needs to help DeAndre Baker because he is struggling. He is statistically, rating-wise, one of the worst defensive backs in the entire NFL. He needs help because teams are going in week after week now. Early part of the season, it was a couple games back-to-back where teams started targeting Janoris Jenkins, but now he's kind of righted his ship a little bit. But for the past like three, four weeks, teams have just been hunting for DeAndre Baker. And it happened again last night. He got two huge pass interference penalties, which one of them was like hand-fighting with Amari Cooper, and they threw the flag. It was kind of BS, but whatever. Someone needs to... Someone needs to help him, bottom line, because he's not getting it done. And now the Jets. The Jets handed the Dolphins their first win of the year. There are now several teams fighting for the second overall pick. You have the Bengals, who are still currently winless. The Falcons have one win, the Jets have one win, and the Dolphins have one win. There are a lot of teams who suck this year. The Browns are also just 2-6. and six. There are a lot of bad teams this year, just to go over it specifically so we know. The Miami's 1-7. The Jets are 1-7. The Browns are 2-6. The Bengals are 0-8. Denver is 3-6. They're kind of pulling together. The Giants are 2-7. I'll, I'll take Denver out of that, actually. 3-6 isn't awful, especially with what they got going on over there. Uh, New York, the Giants, as I said, are 2-7. Washington's 1-8. The Bucks are 2-6. Atlanta's 1-7. Just very, very bad teams this year. That's eight teams with a combined total of 10 wins. And as it's looking now, those that's, I mean, that's the top eight picks in the draft right there. Now, some of these teams obviously are going to have to win more games, like the Giants and Jets, I believe, play next week. So one of those guys is going to have, either Giants are going to get their third win, or the Jets are going to get their second win. But... They play next week at 1 o'clock, so someone's got to win that game. But the Jets are, I mean, they're they are a laughing stock. Let's, let's cut it how it is. He, they, they stink. Adam Gase is not the guy for the job, as it turns out. Um, and I think he said something absolutely ridiculous the other day, which was, you know, it's the NFL. You can't be embarrassed by this kind of th- these kind of things. Meaning, is it embarrassing to have lost to, you know, the 0-7 Dolphins? You absolutely can. You should, In fact, you should be embarrassed that you lost to them. You're, you're supposed to be a team who has a franchise quarterback, a top-tier running back, and a, a respectable defense at the very least. And just none of those seem to be, to be true. Le'Veon Bell's good. Sam Darnold looks awful, and on the defensive end, you don't. I mean, you just traded Leonard Williams, who was really doing absolutely nothing for you. Uh, Quinn and Williams has looked pretty decent, I guess. You couldn't really, you would never be able to tell because they're letting up so many points. And Jamal Adams is doing the best he can, but even he's just like, I think he's giving up, man. <laughs> I feel bad for him. All he wants to do is win. It's just never gonna happen. But the Jets. Are awful. 
I, it's just there's no way to cut it. Sam Darnold stinks. Uh, I, I think that might be Miami's only win of the year. Let's see the remaining schedule. The Colts, the Bills, the Browns, the Eagles, the Jets again, the Giants, the Bengals, and then the Patriots. So, eh, they might beat the Jets again. <laughs> that would be funny. If, they're, if they only win two games this year and they're both against the Jets, that would be absolutely amazing. All right, let's move on. Those are my uh, my NFL thoughts. I just uh, there's there's really not much else to say besides the Jets are just terrible. Uh, I'm <laughs> that game next week between the Jets and Giants is going to be incredibly interesting. MLB award season is upon us once again, and the Gold Glovers were already announced. Some shocking, uh, others not. So for I'll just I'll run through the Gold Glovers and then we can get to the uh, MVP Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, and Manager of the Year finalists, and I'll give my thoughts on who's going to win each of them. Gold Gloves, first base, Matt Olson for the Athletics and Anthony Rizzo for the Chicago Cubs. Not shockers there. I believe both of them won last year as well. Second base, Yalmer Sanchez for the Chicago White Sox. Altuve and DJ LeMahieu came in second and third. They were both runner-ups. That was a little bit shocking, to be honest. And another shocking one was Colton Wong won the Gold Glove Award for the uh, the Cardinals for second base. And he didn't look too sharp at second base during the, uh, during the playoffs, but I guess he had an excellent regular season. I didn't really pay attention to the Cardinals that much, especially uh, Colton Wong's defensive capabilities. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Shortstop, Frankie Lindor for the Cleveland Indians. Uh, just one other, one of the two Gold Glove Award winners that Cleveland had this year, and probably the only good thing they had going for them. Nick Ahmed wins another Gold Glove, a shortstop for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Third base, no surprise here, uh, Matt Chapman and Nolan Arenado. Left field, David Peralta for the Diamondbacks, and Alex Gordon, a name who... I have not heard in a while. I am actually pretty shocked he's still playing. Kansas City, after winning the World Series, has completely uh, eroded into irrelevance again. They're, no one pays attention to them. They're at the bottom of the AL Central. They stink. But they had their time in the spotlight. Good for them. But now they kind of stink again. So Alex Gordon, he wins a gold glove. So good for him. He wins another one. Center field. Kiermaier wins it, Kevin Kiermaier for the Tampa Bay Rays and Lorenzo Cain for the Milwaukee Brewers. Right field, Mookie Betts. I'm a little disappointed it wasn't Aaron Judge. I really thought he had a chance this year, but they give it to Mookie Betts. And Cody Bellinger wins one for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Behind the plate, Roberto Perez for Cleveland. Again, one of the, the second of the two gold glovers for Cleveland. And JT Real Muto in his first year with the Phillies wins a gold glove. Pitchers, little weird situation. Uh, Mike Leak wins it for the National League. He started with Seattle, ended with Arizona, and he wins the National League Gold Glove Award for pitchers. And Zach Greinke, who started with Arizona and finished with Houston, wins the American League Gold Glove Award for pitchers. 
So a little bit of a, a switch between leagues for each pitcher, but I guess it kind of evens out if uh, both pitchers pitched in both leagues throughout the year after being traded, and they win both gold gloves. So whatever. That's that's what it is what it is. Uh, I'm not going to argue with any of that. I am a little disappointed that DJ LeMahieu uh, did not win the gold glove. I'm even more disappointed that he wasn't a finalist for the AL MVP award. It, it's pretty it's pretty shocking that he wasn't a finalist. And when you hear who the three finalists were, two of them are going to make sense, and the third one you're going to be like, I don't really know about that. All right, so let's get into the, uh, the awards. The Most Valuable Player Award. First, and certainly the most important, for the American League, the finalists, Alex Bregman, third baseman for the Houston Astros. Of course, everyone was talking about him probably being the favorite uh and if he's not the favorite he's very very close to Mike Trout who is also a finalist of course for the Angels his year cut slightly short but he's been excellent I mean he's Mike Trout uh and then the third and surprising finalist Oakland Athletics shortstop Marcus Simeon now here's why I think he didn't deserve it over DJ LeMahieu he's worse that's it that's as, as simple as it could be. If Mar This is Marcus Simeon's stat line. Very, very good. He played in all 162 games. He had a ridiculous amount of plate appearances, 747 plate appearances. 43. He had 187 hits, 43 doubles, 33 home runs, 92 RBIs. He batted 285 with a 369 on-base percentage and 522 slugging. Good stats. By comparison... DJ LeMahieu, in 145 games, had 655 plate appearances. He had 197 hits, 33 doubles, 26 home runs, 102 RBIs, and batted 327 with a 375 on base percentage of 518 slugging. I just, I, I don't see it. He had an 893 on base plus, on, uh, on plus slugging percentage. And Simeon had an 892. LeMayu had more hits, better average, more RBIs, a couple less home runs. I, I just, I, I don't understand. I don't understand why DJ LeMayu was not an MVP candidate, but Marcus Simeon was. It makes absolutely no sense. Do I think either of them would have won? No, I don't think Simeon either has a shot. I don't think LeMahieu would have won either. I think it's a two-man race between Bregman and Trout. That being said, for him to not even get nominated is ridiculous. He was arguably the best hitter in baseball this year. Best pure hitter. Just all-around power, average, runners in scoring position, all that. He he hit. He has the highest also that didn't didn't mention that he has the highest average with on uh runners in scoring position this year. So I I don't know what more you want from LeMahieu to even get recognition. He doesn't win a gold glove. He doesn't get a uh, uh MVP nomination. It, it's very upsetting cuz he had an amazing year. He had an amazing year, an amazing postseason run. He was pr easily the most important player on the Yankees this year. The guy was an absolute lifesaver. Well, let's just... Uh, I'm not going to harp on it. Let's just go to the next <laughs> the next list of candidates. The, uh, the 
National League finalist, Cody Ballinger for the Dodgers, Anthony Rendon for the Nationals, and Christian Yelich for the Brewers. Now, this is a legitimate three-man race. All three of these guys, I think, deserve to be MVP. Uh, if the playoffs were included in this, which they never are, but kind of feel like they should be, Rendon is hands down the MVP. Yelich, I think, because he missed the last however many games it was with a broken kneecap and wasn't able to finish the last two weeks, three weeks of the season, I think he draws the, the short straw here. So I, I would say it's probably between Rendon and Bellinger. I don't know. Rendon certainly could have won the gold glove, but Arenado, they're just going to keep giving it to every year until he dies. Same thing with Chapman. No one else is winning the third, the gold glove award for third base anytime soon. Besides, besides those guys, barring any injuries from them, uh, knock on wood. But Rendon, a gold glove caliber third baseman. Uh, better average than Bellinger. Led the league in RBIs with 126. Hit 34 home runs. He had 153 OPS plus, which ironically only trailed Bellinger and Yelich. Yelich and Trout are kind of on the same boat. Both of them, their seasons abruptly ended because of injury. So they couldn't really finish it out. I feel like if they did, they probably would have had the easy uh, MVP votes. Yelich almost had, I think if Yelich stayed healthy, he could have had his 40-40 season. Because he had 44 home runs and 30 stolen bases at the time of his injury where he fractured his kneecap. So I, th I think for sure if he stayed healthy, he would have pushed for that, those next 10 stolen bases for sure. But it, it's so it's tough to say. Again, they're both hindered by that. I would give my vote, as much as I hated him in the playoffs, Bregman for the AL MVP. And for the National League, I'll probably give it to Bellinger also. Um, I think that Rendon is certainly worthy of it. But I'll, I think I'm I'm, I'm going to have to edge it to Bellinger. Yeah, no, I, I can't. Rendon, the RBIs and the high average, I really like. But Bellinger batted over 300 as well. He batted 305 with 47 home runs um, and 34 doubles, which Rendon had 34 home runs. Bellinger had 34 doubles. Uh, yeah, I'll give it to Bellinger. Bellinger and Bregman are my picks to win the MVP awards. Uh, for Cy Young, Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, of course, and Charlie Morton, who was actually on the Astros last year, but now for the Rays. So those three guys, um, the Astros are in line to have one of everything. They have a candidate for MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, they could go for the sweep. Um, I don't think they will, but they definitely could. It's possible. They'll get two out of. I think they'll get two out of the three, and we'll get to the the rookie of the year. But for the Cy Young, I think it's got to go to Garrett Cole. I mean, he was absolutely lights out since May. They kept showing the graphic over and over and over and over again. He was like 20, uh, 25 and 18, 19 and 0, 20 and 0, whatever it was since May, whatever. Uh, up until he had that that first loss to Washington. But up until that, he was flawless since May. So easily, hands down. And he got that first loss to the Nationals and then came back and shut them down in Washington. So he is by far and away the best pitcher in baseball right now. Not by, actually by far and away, but I think it's pretty clear cut that he takes home that, uh, that piece of hardware. 
for the Cy Young Award. As for the National League, it's DeGrom, Hyunjin Ryu, uh, Hyunjin Ryu, Ryu, I think. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. For the Dodgers, uh, and Scherzer for the Nationals. I think DeGrom comes away with it again. I think it's that, just that plain, plain and simple. 2-4-3 ERA, NL best, 255 strikeouts. He had a 1-8-9 ERA in his last 23 starts. Ryu was really good. He finished with a Major League best 2-3-2 ERA. And Scherzer, of course, is always, I mean, he's Mad Max. He's always in the mix. He's always someone to consider. 2-9-2 ERA. Uh, just 27 starts, which is his fewest since his rookie year. He battled injury. I think that might knock him off a little bit because of the injuries. But I'm going to give it to DeGrom again for his second Cy Young in two years. Rookie of the Year, American League finalist Jordan Alvarez for the Astros, Brandon Lowe for the Rays, and John Means for the Orioles. Jordan Alvarez wins this in a landslide. It's not even close. He absolutely dominated baseball since he came up to the end of the regular season. He struggled in the playoffs, uh, especially against the Yankees. He was really, really, really bad against the Yankees, but he picked it back up against the Nationals. But I th- again, playoffs don't really matter, so that's just a tidbit I decided to add in. But as for the regular season, it's not even close. Jordan Alvarez is going to win that one by a landslide. National League finalists, again, I think this is a landslide. Pete Alonso for the Mets, Mike Soraka for the Braves, he's a pitcher, and Fernando Tatis Jr. for the Padres. Uh, had Tatis Jr. stayed healthy for the entire year, I think he would have. I think he he could have won Rookie of the Year. He batted 317 with 22 home runs and 372 plate appearances, as well as playing some great defense. But again, the injuries really cut short his year and cut short the damage Tatis could have done. As for overall careers are concerned, Tatis has a higher ceiling than Alonso. However, Alonzo, 53 home runs. Uh, he won the home run derby. He had a 941 OPS. He is the heart and soul of that Mets team right now. He's a leader already. He's a guy that people look to rally around and spot, and he inspires people. So Alonzo, I think, is going to win this one. Although it should be mentioned, as I said, that Tatis... I think still has the higher ceiling and is also an electric baseball player who, if he stayed healthy, probably would have won, to be honest. But Alonzo did it all year. Uh, He was great. So credit to Pete Alonzo. And, of course, his all-time rookie home run record with 53. He wins that one, I think. And managers of the year. American League, Rocco Baldelli for the Twins, Aaron Boone for the Yankees, and Kevin Cash for the Rays. I think Rocco Baldelli wins this no contest. Um, as disappointing as the Rays were in the playoffs, again, I keep bringing up playoffs, but they do not matter. Uh, uh, but it's it has to be something that's mentioned. As disappointing as their playoff was run was against the Yankees, he won the Twins' first AL Central title since, I believe it was, was 2012. I mentioned in a previous episode. Uh, they had over 100 wins, one of the Four teams that had over 100 wins with the Yankees, Astros, and Dodgers. Uh, the Twins were, they led the league in home runs. They were a great team. They were a great regular season team, uh, as were the Yankees, but the Yankees were also very good last year. And Boone didn't win manager of the year. And they only, they, yes, the Yankees got 
Actually, I think the Yankees won less games than they did last year. I don't know. I I, I don't think that the Yankees... Uh, I don't think Aaron Boone's going to win anything. I don't think Kevin Cash... Although Kevin Cash did a lot with a little. Kevin Cash definitely deserves the recognition. I think it'll finish Baldelli, Cash, Boone in order. Uh, but I think Baldelli, what he did with the Twins, how he turned that franchise around, I think he'll probably get the, uh, the nod to win manager of the year. Although, Boone, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention how well he was able to manage his team with all the injuries the Yankees had. Obviously, that was a huge, huge decision and probably why he was even nominated. Because if they didn't suffer an injury, he wouldn't. He probably wouldn't be nominated because it would be like, well, they have all this talent. It shouldn't really be that hard. But with as many people getting hurt as they did this year and getting as many wins as the Yankees did, Boone certainly deserves that credit. Again, I'm not knocking him. I love Aaron Boone. I love my Yankees. But I do think Rocco Baldelli and what he did with the Minnesota Twins, who have historically been bad for the past few years at least, uh, for or at least for close to the last decade, and also have been dominated by the Yankees. But it's been the, the Indians division for the past you know five or six years. Now the Twins are coming back in the prominence and have a very good position to dominate the AL Central for the next few years. I think Baldelli deserves that credit. National League finalist Craig Council with the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, Mike Schilt with the Cardinals, and Brian Snicker with the Braves. I think Mike Schilt gets it for the Cardinals because the Cardinals have been out of the playoffs for a few years now, and they come back and win the AL Central uh, convincingly. Their first AL Central, NL Central, excuse me, NL Central title since 2015. In his first full season as the skipper, Mike Schilt. Uh, they weren't predicted to win the division, of course. You have the Brewers and also the Cubs in that division. But Mike Schilt, bringing the Cardinals back to the forefront of the NL Central. Uh, I think he comes away with it. Council, he more or less did the same with the same Brewers squad. They actually probably underachieved, considering they had close to the same squad they did last year. Uh... They made the wild card spot, even with Yelich's broken kneecap, but that came September 10th. So it's not like he broke his kneecap in the beginning of the season and they ended up in the wild card spot anyway. Yelich was there to kind of carry them for 90% of the, the race. And Snitker, great, great coach. The Braves are a very young team, and he's been able to do a lot with a very, very young team which is a lot harder to do than people think. But I think in the long run, uh, he's still surrounded by a lot of talent there in Atlanta. Uh, and he's making it work. Credit to him. Great coach. But Schilt, I think, is the one that uh, gets the award here. And that's it. So to wrap it up, Bregman wins the AL MVP. Bellinger wins the NL MVP. Cole wins the AL Cy Young. DeGrom wins the NL Cy Young. Uh, Baldelli wins AL Manager of the Year. And Schilt wins NL Manager of the Year. Those are my predictions. I don't think it's anything crazy. I'm trying to be objective. I could have easily said Aaron Boone was going to win. Uh, the only thing I'm really disappointed about in all of this, I think all, of them, all the nominations uh, and every winner that I picked makes a lot of sense. The only thing I'm still 
mad about is DJ LeMahieu not being that third AL finalist MVP. He was not going to win. I do not think he was going to win. But the fact that he wasn't even nominated and Marcus Simeon was. It's mind-blowing. DJ LeMayu batted like 60 points higher than Marcus Simeon. It was actually more like 50, 45. But he batted way higher than him. Hit six less home runs. Had more RBIs. Uh, more hits in less plate appearances, might add you. Marcus Simeon had less hits. He played all 162 games and had 747 plate appearances and had less hits than DJ LeMahieu, who only played in 146 games. I, I just... Granted, that's not because LeMahieu was injured. That was because the Yankees had an over uh, a, a talent problem where they wanted to play Voight at first and Urshela at third, but they also had Didi when Didi came back. He had to play him and Glaber, and somehow LeMahieu was trying to fit into all of that. Obviously, in the playoffs, they ended up, ended up sticking him at first base. But they had some some lineup uh, mismatches, so it's not because he was injured. It was just because some, uh, some matchups, he would be benched. He was healthy the whole year. He was easily the Yankees' best player. He's a gold glove finalist. I, 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 I don't understand. I just I really don't understand why he wasn't even a finalist. I don't. It, it doesn't make any sense. There's no rational explanation for why. And Marcus Simeon was. Quickly, college basketball kicked off last night. MSG had their uh, college basketball classic. And Duke edged out Kansas by two points. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of Duke this year. Obviously, they are uh, Mike Krzyzewski's team. Coach K is phenomenal. And whoever they have... They're going to win. Uh, but I think this might be more of a of a come down because you have such a stacked team last year, although they, I, I guess you could say they underachieved in March Madness in the tournament. But they had such a stacked team last year, all eyes on them. It's going to be m much more of a come down. Cassius Stanley is very good. Uh, and they have a, a couple other guys on there. Uh, Vernon Carey. But I, I don't think they're going to get as much national attention as they near, not even close to what they did last year. So this will probably be more like a, like when Duke won the national title in 2014 with Okafor, Young, Justice Winslow, Grayson Allen. And then the next year where it was kind of just Grayson Allen, they were still good, but they weren't great. I think it's going to be more of that kind of year where they had like Brandon Ingram, whatever. They have one or two guys that are in there that are really good. And then everyone else, you're just crying. You're trying to like make it work. So Duke will be good, but not nearly as good as they were last year. Kansas actually looked pretty good. Um, they lost a couple guys. They have Azubuki back, which was a huge loss for them last year. Uh, Quentin Grimes transferred, which I just found out. I didn't know he transferred to Houston, but he had, he was awful for Kansas last year. He was a top recruit, did not live up to it, went to Houston, probably a smart move on his part. Uh, as for the late game, Kentucky edged out Michigan State. That was a 1-2 matchup. Very, very exciting. Tyrese Maxey is going to be on a lot of people's radar after last night. Delivered a couple of huge shots for Kentucky. 
Um, Michigan State's offense just couldn't really seem to get it going at all. It was pretty much Cassius Winston or nothing, especially for the first half. So Tom Izzo has some problems to uh, address on the offense and the offensive flow of things. I think Michigan State will be fine. They were title favorites heading into the season, preseason number one. Uh, but Izzo definitely has some problems to address on offense. Granted, Michigan State did get into a lot of foul trouble early, so they had a lot of guys in there who weren't, they probably weren't part of the bigger game plan, but he had to put them in because of the foul trouble. Uh, they'll they'll figure that out. Tom Izzo, Tom Izzo will figure it out. I have no no doubts about that. But you'll probably see Kentucky being the new number one. And then Duke will probably be two. Uh, Michigan State's probably only going to fall to three or four, and so is Kansas. Kansas might fall to five. Who knows? But it won't be that big of a mismatch in the uh, uh, shakeup in the top five. And last thing I want to talk about, my obsession with Devin Booker, real quick, because um, I am running out of time here even though it's not a time thing, but I got to wrap it up. The Suns are 5-2. and two. They lost DeAndre Ayton because... Also, that's a, this is a thing now. Players are taking PEDs. NBA players are taking PEDs. Who knew? Who knew? Ayton got busted for it, and John Collins just got busted for it as well. Both of them now serving 25-game suspensions. Uh, they'll be back around Christmas time. I believe, or just before Christmas time, like December 15th or, or something like that. Aiton was busted before the, the season started, I think. Um, but Collins was just busted. So Collins will be back around Christmas time. Aiton will be back maybe a week or two before. 25 games, remember that, not 25 days, 25 games. So it's not like baseball where a pitcher gets suspended for five games. Oh, big deal. You missed one start. It's not that big of a deal. I don't know. It's it's weird. NBA players being busted for PEDs. Uh, haven't really seen too much of it, but this is now like the third or fourth instant of it, of, uh, it happening. So, I don't know. The NBA seems to be cracking down on that kind of thing. Devin Booker, regardless, has been absolutely phenomenal. The guy's a stud. I don't want to hear anything about it. If the Suns keep it up, he will be an all-star this year. That is my uh, my hot take, my bold prediction. Devin Booker will be an all-star this year. It's finally the year, especially if the Suns continue to win. There are only two losses, by the way. One was in overtime, one-point loss. The other one was also a one-point loss in regulation. Uh, overtime to the Nuggets, they lost by one, and in regulation to the Jazz, they lost by one. So very well could be 7-0. They're not. They're 5-2, and two, but still very, very good. They're off to a great start. Their offense seems great. Devin Booker is falling out of his mind. He's been efficient. He's been smart. He's been great. I think the addition to Ricky Rubio is helping a lot more than people thought it would because having a real point guard on the team and not making Devin Booker your point guard when he's not a point guard uh, is definitely opening up, opening up the offense way more. We'll see. We'll see how the Suns continue to... Uh, progress if they do or hopefully re hopefully not regress we want them to progress I want Devin Booker to be an all-star 
Carl uh, Anthony Towns has been an all-star. D'Angelo Russell has been an all-star. Last year was his first one. It's, it's time for Devin Booker now, okay? It's time. That'll do it for this episode of From My Point of View. Thank you all for tuning in. As always, I appreciate all of your support. But everyone go out, have a great weekend, and I will talk to you all next Wednesday.